Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Michael McNamara via socially distanced via phone this morning. How you doing, Mike? Uh, I'm just fine and hopefully coming in loud and clear. You are. We can, uh, we can all hear you well. Uh, all right. So uh, let me, let me, let's just jump in and get started. We, uh, this, uh, this week we're going to do, I think, week four of uh, our common sense survival in, tr- in, uh, in today's world. That was, our, that was our title that you put together uh, four weeks ago. It wasn't actually four weeks because we, you know, we skip a week here and there, but four straight shows for us uh, on this outline. And I think this is going to be our last one. What do you think? I think that's correct. <laughs> yes. And by the way, I've, you know, you, you've taken a break from preparation I know. for the show for a long time. So I'm going to get even with you the next couple of shows. Uh, <laughs> I'm counting this as one, one show. One, one outline. That's one show prep. Yeah. Uh, okay. So if uh, anyone has any questions about um, anything financial related, give us a call. Uh, telephone number is 978-454-4980. Uh, you can also reach us at uh, questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com, uh, or you can also uh, visit McNamaraOnMoney.com and submit a question there if you would like, if that's easier for you. But any, anyway, it's again, 978-454-4980. We'll jump back in here. I'm not exactly even sure. I'm, I'm going to pass the hosting duties over to you since it's your outline. It's, it's, uh, it's hard for me to, to, uh, to, to drive the bus here. So I'm going to give it over to you. And do you know where we're going to start? Where are we in this, uh, in this massive outline of yours? Well, you, you never, you never know where I'm going anyway. Justin. <laughs> yeah, that's so it's, true. It's exciting. Well, for a couple of things. So first of all, folks, uh, this has been like a, it will be a four week extravaganza, <laughs> but, but, and, and the title, you know, about surviving in today's world, you, we could have really named it. Hey, this is what you need to do for the rest of your life financially and be okay or, or something like that. Uh, and folks, if you, if you didn't, catch the first three parts of this. Well, hey, shame on you. But anyway, okay, uh, I'm pretty sure that if you go to McNamaraOnMoney.com, we, we have all these shows set up there now, right, Josh? Is that correct? I believe we do. I believe, yeah. you know, I can I can check them on. Alyssa is our uh, is our technology person here. So, but I, you know, while you're, while we're chatting, I can, I have the internet up in yeah. front of me. We'll see. What yeah. We can and, find. Well, and again, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the case anyway. So if you, if you did miss a show or two or three and folks, if, 
if you've listened to the show before, like we speak English, you know, we we uh, we try to explain things like in common sense, uh, and uh, you know, the, the investment world, like any world, it looks complicated, but there are a few basic things. If you do it correctly, you'll probably be okay. And so, yeah, McNamaraOnMoney.com should have the replays of the first three shows, and I believe the WCAP's website does record history on these shows to some extent. Not not quite sure about that. Uh, but anyway, uh, and yeah, as Justin was saying, we've covered a broad range of topics here. I started off for the first couple of shows playing defense, and that's talking about having enough insurance, and enough emergency reserves, and a whole bunch of other things. And we spent last time together on offense, uh, and, and now we're on the last section of my five-page outline, I think, or something like that, Just Five pages. Uh, yeah, it could have been 15 if I spent more time on it. But anyway, uh, so this is officially called investing, uh, and we spent a good chunk of the last show talking about risks, okay, and, and things to worry about along that line. And uh, if, if we do run out of time on this subject uh, today, and I doubt it like heck, to be honest with you, but if we do run out of time, uh, I'd like to maybe go back and touch on risk some more because it's a huge subject and it's confusing and hopefully we, we did do some deconfusing uh, last time together, but um, it, it's always like the second thing that comes up when people start talking to us, and so we, we'll kind of weave in and out of that as we go through the investing part here today, anyway. But so, so that's the deal, folks. Yeah, uh, I think any, anything that's uh, anything that's not an exact science can 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 tend to get a bit confusing, right? I mean, risk yeah. risk in, in investing is uh, is by no means easy because it's yeah. it's a it's a moving target, and uh, people feel it's it's a lot of it's based on your psychology and your feelings. And of course, those are changing all the time. So, uh, yeah, I agree on that one. Well, let's. What do we do? Fifty-fifty on the agreement stuff, Justin. What do you think? I, right? I think. Well, yeah. Well, maybe it's just. It's getting higher, We probably agree it? on more. It's just when we disagree, it, it sticks out. Maybe I don't know. Uh, anyway, so folks, uh, this is a call-in talk radio show, and uh, we'd much prefer to uh, talk with you if you have a question about anything that relates to money or finances, and uh, we'll happily interrupt uh, this outline and this show topic uh, to, to take you wherever you want to go if you'd like to give us a holler. So don't be shy. And again, we. We speak English. We're easy to get along with. Uh, it's uh, tough to do numbers on the radio, but you know, if you've got a burning question or concern that relates to money or investments or your financial situation, and remember, your financial situation involves a whole lot more things than just money. Uh, but anyway, uh, we are here. It's what we do. And uh, the phone number here, 978-454-4980, and we'd love to catch up with you about anything that's on your mind. All righty. Uh, so uh, so we put this uh, in the form of like a question and answer session. So, Justin, you're okay asking the questions because I wrote them down basically, right? So you, you can do that. I am. I can <laughs> well, do that. About, so I'm, 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 okay, so I, I, okay, so I ask, you get to answer? Okay. Yeah, and you can start with uh, what is the most important thing oh, about investing, okay? And, okay. and then, then we can just kind of cruise from there, okay? All right. Yeah, hang All on right, a so. second. Oh, wow. You, so you're, well, we're only midway through this outline. I was, hey. I was assuming we were at the end after uh, on show, well, number, I, show number four here. I added a page between the last time you saw this, so no worries. Okay. Okay. No, I have investing. I, my first question is investment money is risky, right? Yeah, yeah, we did, we did that, that one. We did the whole, we, we oh. did down to what is the most important thing about investing. Investing. We started to answer that, oh, but okay. I want to start the show with that. Okay, <laughs> we're good from there. This is right. a, that's an, open, an open-ended question. Okay. It, it is. Okay. <laughs> what so is, go ahead. Officially ask it. We'll okay, are you going to <laughs> have a disclaimer about this being an opinion here before you answer this? What is the most important thing <laughs> about investing? All right. Question. Uh, Mark. My answer is to have a clearly defined asset allocation strategy. Okay. Okay, folks, we'll just move on to the next question, right? No. Okay, we need to spend some time explaining that. And uh, I'm I'm going to let Justin pass the ball back to Justin uh, because he's the he's the money man at McNamara Financial. He takes care of uh, the investing and the strategy and stuff. So how about you give a, a McNamara Financial definition of asset allocation? and uh, sure. we're going to go from there. Okay, Okay. so an asset allocation. And keep it simple now. Keep I, it simple. I will. 
Okay. I'll, I'll refer everyone to those to, to those pies, right? Everyone yeah. know, in the investing world, everybody has seen <laughs> the little multicolored pies that say you have 20% in this slice and 25 in this slice and 15 in that slice and so on. Um, those pies are referring to what we call asset classes. And all an asset class is, is a little slice of the investable universe. Right. So, you know, we, we, we talk about the stock market and the bond market. Those are technically asset classes. But in the investing world, we, you know, we, we, we divide those slices into, into much, much smaller pieces. Uh, in theory, you could probably have a pie that had hundreds of those slices in it. Uh, not that we think that's probably necessary for most folks. But an asset class is, you know, a classic asset class and, and one that most people probably should have in their pie is, is uh, is large company stocks, right? So, so as defined by the S and P 500, that's a that's a pie slice. The S and P 500, or something like it, is is in most investment strategies. So that's one example. And you might have 20% in your large cap stock fund, and then we break down the rest of the market into small company stocks and mid-sized stocks and international and emerging markets, and uh, and then we go over on the bond side and we do investment grade bonds and short-term and long-term and high yield. So an asset class is just a, 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 a section of the investable universe. Most of the time they're in you know, the stock and bond world, but we certainly have other types of assets that are, that are, in, some, uh, that are in some people's pies. Is that good enough? Is that too hey, long, you're, too short? You're on a, you're, no, you're on a roll. That, that, that works fine. Okay, uh, folks, another way to think of this is you don't want to ever put all your investment eggs in one investment basket, okay? But yeah. let, let's spend a little time, and you, you, you mentioned this here. So, so you, you can have a, an asset allocation with, with two pieces, and you can have one with 30. Uh, yeah. And, okay, uh, you know, it, it, from our point of view, there are some basic investment categories that you need to have in your asset allocation, and we have them, okay? Uh, And and in our opinion at at McNamara Financial, and we use some institutional research, we don't make up our own uh, stuff, folks, but anyway, in our opinion, you know, our larger portfolios, the the most pieces you want to have is maybe 8 or 10 or 12, uh, and, and you can certainly get away with a lot less and have a pretty decent portfolio kind of given the circumstances. Okay, and, and and to that note, uh, one of the things you have to be careful about uh, in the investment world is that we we love it's a remember it's a marketing uh, piece as well, folks. But in the investment world, we love to create new flavors of investments that you didn't know you needed to have, okay? And and there's a forever campaign, well, you know, you should have a hedge fund fund piece in your portfolio. So so there are many, many... Liquid alternatives? There you go. Liquid alternatives, gold, uh, metals, uh, you know, real estate, public store, whatever, okay? So so folks, the, 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 the confusing thing is, okay, that there are many... Many, many, many folks, institutions, groups, uh, businesses that are developing what they think, what they legitimately think are good investment sections or good investment flavors. Okay, but if you listen to all of them, you'd have 400 pieces of uh, of, of asset classes in your pie, and and that's just too much. Okay, and and again, you also have to remember in the investment world that we're always making up these really exciting, really terrific sounding asset classes that I mean or categories that need to be included in your portfolio you need to have this in your portfolio and, and I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago Jess but you know in, in my time we've had people telling us that cable TV should be a part of a diversified portfolio absolutely and positively I guess you it, need to have, to have yeah. that in your portfolio and by the way uh, telecommunications you know, was, was the, a popular one too back in the yeah uh, that, that's exactly yeah. correct okay and, and <laughs> do you know the the warehouse facilities that we have all over the place we can put your stuff in this that and the other thing sure. uh, you know sure. well the the pioneer in in that 
public storage industry is called public storage. Okay, and in about halfway through my investment career, okay, there was a campaign, you have to have a public storage section of diversification in your portfolio. Okay, and, and so my point is that the risk with all these wonderful investment pieces we have is that there's way too many. Many of them are just, uh, you know, I, I want to be careful how I choose the word, uh, unnecessary, How's that? Yep. <laughs> okay, or, or, or probably almost silly. And so the trick is to pick some basic categories and don't get carried away. But then again, you ask one financial advisor what their basic flavors are versus another, and you get different choices. Okay, am I okay with that so far? Yeah, Jess, and, and, you, and you should all, you know, I mean, you know, I, I left out the part where we, um, you know, explain how your asset allocation relates to your risk. So we'll we'll go back to that. But I think, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's important for for folks to know that I mean, you can have right. So, you know, someone could uh, come into our office and they could have a you know a life cycle fund, right? They they have the uh, the retirement 2040 fund, and it looks like to them they just have that one that one pie slice when they get their 401k statement. But in but in reality, you could subdivide that one pie up into uh, you get, get probably 50, right? Because you know that that uh, that particular investment might have large cap stocks and small caps and mid caps and international and emerging markets and all you know all different types of the bond market. So I mean you you know when we say keep it simple, you know we we think that a it's it's relating to trying to avoid sort of more fad asset classes, which you just there you go fad Thank yeah you. which you, which for. you just made reference to, but yeah. also the yeah. fact that you know you 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 could probably you know, just have a large company stock fund. One, you don't necessarily need to have a large cap value fund and a large cap blend fund and a large cap growth <laughs> fund, and then do the same thing with mid cap and the same thing with small cap. And you know, until you're managing a portfolio that has 30 asset classes, right? A lot of times you can just get away and simplify. Hey, here, here are my large caps. I'm going to do one here, and I'm going to do one small cap fund. And and yeah. I think you know we're we try to preach simplicity, just because it's you know it, it ends up being easier to manage and, and a lot of times extra complexity really doesn't doesn't get you the end client or the end investor or anything it's it's on occasion maybe more for as a as a sales tool for an advisor <laughs> uh, uh, I should give away the game there though you know I would say relatively frequently but nevertheless okay <laughs> you know I, I would call that like diversification to death if you have 30 pieces in your portfolio yep. because think about it folks okay if one of them goes through the moon you didn't notice anyway so of a thing. So anyway, yeah. and and, uh, and the last piece on that subject is that for folks lucky enough to have those pies as choices in their retirement plans at work, and, and thankfully that's more and more people these days, those pies don't have a ton of pieces in them. They're kind of generally basic pies, and we're perfectly fine with that, folks. Our pies may be a little bit more detailed or a little cuter for reasons we think are meaningful, but in, in most of the retirement plan pies, choices, yeah, you, you'll see, what, four, five, six, seven, eight pieces at the most. Perfect, from our point of view. Right. Just perfect. But you, you need to stick with the basics and be careful about the fads because everybody's trying to get into your portfolio <laughs> in the investment world. Okay. Uh, all right. So I think, yeah, the, 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 the real trick to this, folks, is that, uh, that you know, you want to have multiple kind of different investments going for you just because again the, the uh, you don't want all your eggs in one basket is absolutely what I'll probably come back to uh, frequently on this that's what we're talking about okay uh, a long time ago uh, I well I've attended many investment training and marketing sessions in my lifetime yeah uh, and a long time ago uh, I, I heard somebody refer to okay you know if you've got ten pieces in your investment allocation if you've got ten different pieces uh, in your pie, then you're gonna, it's going to take 10 bullets to kill you. Okay. <laughs> and, and you know, that kind of makes the point. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Pr pr pretty simply, to be honest with you folks, if you had one piece in there, one bullet could do some serious damage sort of a thing. Okay. Uh, all right. I think, I think that's a probably 
our official answer to that first question. So, yeah, so we're going to get into risk and, and risk and return and all that yeah. stuff in, in later questions, yeah. right? I don't want to skip we, over the fact that, yeah, that yeah, how no, you come okay. to your yeah. clearly yeah. defined asset allocation strategy is also important, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so by the way, okay, so now let's uh, – so a little further uh, clarification to the first answer to that, okay? Uh, when you have an asset allocation, you need to believe in some things. You need to be comfortable, okay? You need, you know, there are certain places your head has to be, okay, when you get into one of these. Okay. Okay. And, and, and the first, you know, if you're going to have five or six different asset classes in your portfolio, the first thing you really have to believe is that you can't predict what uh, what a return is going to be from a certain asset class at any given time. Okay, uh, I like to say that short-term investment returns are perfectly random and perfectly unpredictable. And if you get into the trap of just uh, b- basically thinking, well, I'm going to... I'm going to put a lot more of the U.S. stock market into my portfolio because I think it's on a roll and it's going to do really well. You're going to get yourself into trouble trying to time things and pick and choose things, okay? So, so what you have to believe is that you can't predict what different asset classes are going to do. And the problem with that is after two or three or four years of an asset class going bonkers, well, you've kind of built it into your psyche. Well, hey, this is great. I'm just going to need some of this because it's going to go on for like this forever. So, so uh, to, to, to the point about, you know, you need to know that you can't know the future, about different investment classes. That's the first thing you have to believe before you do this. So I had some examples here, uh, and a perfect example, which we'll get more specific about later, is that from 1995 to 1999, that the United States stock market was on an absolute screaming roll. And by the way, we'll get to the numbers in a little while here. Okay, and for like four or five years in a row, it averaged like 20% a year. Okay, uh, and I met folks coming into our office for the first time during those times. And every year, the folks who I met, they seemed to have like more and more of the U.S. stock market in their portfolio because what were they doing? It was on a roll and, and they were kind of doing that. Well, that worked great until the year 2000 and it crashed and boomed and took you a long time to get back. So so I, I, there's, a, there's an outfit called the Callan, C-A-L-L-A-N group. And, and they, if you want to Google folks, the Callan periodic table of investment returns. It looks like the periodic table chemistry chart, okay, that we all saw when we were in high school. Uh, and it's just such a cool chart because it lists the different, it lists some basic categories of investments and it lists what they do, you know, return-wise. And this, the one I'm looking at goes for 20 years, from 2000 to 2019. And it's got basic investment flavors, basic investment asset class categories. Okay, and, and they're all in different colors. And, and folks, the, but please, it's hard to do this on the radio because I'm looking at this multicolored <laughs> chart. Okay, but just imagine... Don't a, do this on your phone if you're driving, though. That, 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 that's right, please. Okay, <laughs> but, but anyway, if you just, like, pick one color which is one asset class. And if you look where it finishes, by the way, they rank all the asset classes best to worst for 20 years. And, and folks, if you, if you just picked any color, forget, forget what it said, forget what it was, and if you watched where it jumped around from year to year in the returns, it would astound you and scare you to death, which is good because that's why you need a whole bunch of stuff as opposed to trying to think that you can actually predict things. Okay, um, you know, for for example, Justin, then this is absolutely perfect. Okay, uh, in 2007, emerging market stocks were the winners for that year of all the categories in the race. Yep. Okay, up 39.38 percent. 
Okay. Okay. Let's see. Boy, it's the end of 2007. Uh, the rest of the world is starting to fall apart. The markets are starting to get shaky. I'm going to tank up on that emerging markets because they just earned 39%. How bad can it be? You want to take a guess at the calendar 2008 return, my son? <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Neg- oh, for emerging markets, that probably, yeah. that probably wasn't good. Negative 40. Negative fifty three. Oh wow, that's that's even worse than I thought. All right, so let's so let's change the let's change the subject. Okay, uh, b- basically it's two thousand and eight, and you're watching emerging markets tank, and around September, October, November, you're looking and they're down fifty three percent, and you say I'm going to kick them out of my portfolio, and or I'm not going to buy them. You want to take a guess at what their return was in two thousand and nine? Uh, sixty. 78. <laughs> now, folks, that's extreme, but I think you get the point, okay? We have a tendency to what's called a recency bias. If an investment is rocking and rolling for two or three years, all of a sudden we want to own some of it and we think it's going to go on forever, and that's not the way it works in our world, folks. Believe me, it's not the way it works, okay? So please, okay, just just in time for the break here, please Google Callan, C-A-L-L-A-N, periodic table of investments, okay, and do it since 2019, okay, and pick a color, and you'll know what I'm talking about. But the very first thing you have to understand when you have an asset allocation is that you just realized that you can't predict the future and don't want to have that risk. And I think this is probably a really good time to end our break here, Joss, okay? All righty. We will be right back. We are back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Michael McNamara. And we are proceeding through the outline that we started on four weeks ago, or at least four shows ago. And uh, we're, we're going to, I think we're going to make it through this, this uh, week that I think we're, we're, <laughs> I, I have high hopes. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, anyways, if you have a question about anything we're discussing, we're talking investments now. Uh, if you have a question on that or anything else, uh, we're live in the Merrimack Valley today. Give us a ring. Telephone number is 978-454-4980. Or you can email us questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. Calm. All right. So are we, uh, we, we, we're probably not done with asset allocation, or are we? What, where are oh, we? not, e- not even close. I would close, think so. We, uh, a half an hour is not nearly enough on asset allocation. By, by the way, I'm, I'm diligently monitoring the McNamara on Money website for email questions. I just okay. should know that as we speak. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I'm, I'm worried. I'm concerned that McNamaraOnMoney.com is down. I tried to get there, and I, I was not able Uh-oh. to. So, but, but questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. Uh, should still work, but I don't know that you can submit a question on uh, online right now. So we'll we'll ha- we'll we'll have our uh, we'll have our people look into that after the show. Yeah, well, hopefully it's not too painful to give us a call, folks. Nine seven eight four five four forty nine eighty. Anyway, so folks, if if you've got uh, some pie options at your choice of work for investment portfolios, uh, there are three things you need to to do. And the first thing you need to do is understand that you don't know the future and that you have to own a lot of different categories of investments because nobody is smart enough to pick when to get in and when to get out of a category of investment, although we do that all the time and don't think we're gambling sort of a thing. So that's the first thing you have to do. Uh, the, the, The second thing you have to do is that you have to believe that you're better off buying a whole bunch of stocks and bonds as opposed to individual securities okay uh you know our our philosophy is is pretty simple uh the the more stocks that you own or the more bonds that you own the more protection that you have against default okay the the biggest risk if if you own an individual you know you work for xyz publicly traded company you have a hundred percent of your money in your retirement plan in your company because you love it and they're making money hand over fist uh, and uh, by the way, if uh, for some reason or other uh, something bad happens and they go out of business, and by the way, I could make a list of truly wonderful companies that aren't around anymore. But anyway, if that one company goes out of business and you got all your money in there, you have a small retirement plan problem, or actually a big one. Okay, and so we, we are extremely comfortable saying, hey, if you're not, if you want to diversify your eggs, if that's the strategy. 
well, maybe you ought to own four or 500 stocks or maybe even four or 5,000 stocks to protect against that. The, the only risk that you have in stocks, as far as I'm concerned, we could argue about the volatility, but default is the biggest risk of owning a stock. But if you own 4,000 of them, you're probably pretty good, sort of a thing. So, so you know, you must believe in groups of securities as opposed to individual securities. And, and so, the, the, you know, the good news is if you own 4,000 stocks and one goes through the moon, I'm sorry, one goes through the floor, you don't know about it, okay? The bad news is, you know, if you own 4,000 stocks and one goes through the moon, you don't know about it either. So, so when you have those multiple groups, you're going to get a return somewhere between the best and the worst. Hello, that's called diversification. And I'll I, stop there, my son. Go for it. Yeah, I just wanted to add that, you know, when, when we're talking about asset allocation in those pies, right, the, the whole idea is that they are, you know, that those, all of those pies are trying to maximize the return for a given level of risk, right? I mean, those pies aren't just, hey, you know, if the pie was just let's make the most money, you know, the most money possible, then you would you wouldn't have a pie, right? You'd probably have, you know, a couple emerging of emerging markets, right? You'd have, you'd have one pie <laughs> slice that would be emerging market stocks, and you wouldn't be too happy about the last, uh, you know, the last fifteen years worth of returns. Uh, but if you closed your eyes and held it for the, you know, the entirety of your investing life, you, you know, you you more than likely, or at least very likely, would uh, end up with a with a fairly substantial return, and maybe the best return. But again. The pie is designed, right? It's, it's, you know, and they're generated by computers for the most part, right? And so, you know, we have folks and we say, all right, well, you know, where, what are my investable assets? You know, what are my asset classes? And what's the historic volatility of those asset classes? And what's the historic return of those asset classes? And how do they behave together? And then, you know, you ask the computer to crunch numbers and the computer says, all right, hey, this is the best portfolio if you're looking to, you know, if you're an aggressive investor, right? You know, you want to have, all, you know, all the invest, all the aggressive uh, investment slices, and you mix them this way, and that's going to give you the best return for a given level of volatility. So the whole, the whole point of it is to try and, you know, give you the best return for level of risk, and so that's why, you know, when we do it, and when again, this is we're not obviously unique in this, but most of those investment pie slices are filled out by investments that have many, many uh, stocks in them, right? They're, they're often, you know, they're all based on indexes, right? So they're, you know, the, the math is done based on a group of stocks like the S&P 500 or the MSCI EFA index. And so it, it's, it does seem to make sense to actually own those investments to the, to the degree that you can, although you don't have to. You can certainly, you know, you can certainly plug in uh, actively managed mutual funds, and you can, if you wanted to, you could build your own portfolio of, of large company stocks, but then you know, at that point you're adding other risks into the equation. Well said, my son. Okay, so Thank folks, you. so, so one, one more thing. So either before you get into one of these pies or as you get into one of these pies, three things. You have to believe that you can't predict the future about different categories of investments. You have to believe that it makes sense to own a whole bunch of them just to protect yourself. Uh, and then and the last choice you have to make is, are the investments that are going to sit in those, are those slices, are they going to be actively or passively managed? And what the heck does that mean? So, Justin, would you mind? Sure. Uh, so, you know, Again, I, I just made reference to those pie slices and you know, and the pies being built used on, you know based on index returns, right? So the S and P 500 is an index that that um, most people know, and then the you know you have the Dow Jones and and the Nasdaq. Um, those are all indices, which are again they're they're passive groups of stocks, right? The S and P 500, easy, fairly easy to remember. It's you know roughly the largest 500 companies in America, and you can easily enough buy that. I mean, you can't invest in the exact S&P 500, right? But you can buy an investment that is based on the S&P 500. And that's a passive index, right? There's no, there's no real, other than, hey, this is, this is the list of, you know, it's the 500 biggest companies. Other than that, there's no judgments going, you know, going into it. There's no real management. There's no one trying to figure out, hey, this company's great. This one stinks. And, you know, let's buy this and sell that and hold this. Um, so, uh, an index is just a passively managed portfolio where there's not a lot of decisions going into it, and you know there's there's 
not nearly as much cost associated with it because you're not paying an investment team. And um, you know, spoiler alert: investment teams get paid a lot of money, right? You know, it's it's a it's a difficult job. You know, in order to do it well, and there's not many folks who can. Um, there's a lot of compensation that goes along with a you know a, a portfolio manager and all of the supporting staff that goes into that the research folks and the and the assistants and all that good stuff. So um, the passive is just low cost. You follow an index or or something you know or or some sort of hybrid index product and versus an actively managed fund, which is you're hiring someone to you know. To simplify, pick the good ones and you know invest in the good stuff and don't invest in the bad stuff. Uh, but again, higher cost and generally doesn't do as well as as an index just because it's difficult. Everyone can't beat the market, right? And so you there, there are always enough to keep the game going. But yes, that's that's correct. right. There are enough yeah. to keep yeah. There are enough to keep prices efficient. I think, uh, but there's not so few active managers where you'll, where it's easily, where it's easy to predict which ones will be, you know, quote unquote good and quote unquote bad. It's very difficult to look forward and say, hey, this manager has been great over the past five years, and so I think he or she is going to do it particularly well over the next 20, right? Which is my investment time horizon. It's it's not easy, and and uh, you know, full disclosure, we you know we do invest in both active and passive. We're primarily on the passive side, but we'll do active management. Uh, in some of our portfolios for for a variety of reasons. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, you know, the way I would describe it, and I'm usually the big picture guy in this show, is that if you're a passive investor and buying those indexes or indices, I guess is the official term, you're basically buying the market, the whole market. Right. You know, if, if you buy the S&P 500 as an investment in your portfolio, you just bought the whole market, and when you did that, you said to yourself, I will be happy with whatever the market return is. I don't care about beating it because the chances of beating it are probably lower than the chances of losing to it. In other words, in other words if, if, if not a large percentage of active managers actually outpoint the market, Okay, the odds say just buy the market, but there's always some very smart active managers that do beat it sort of thing. So you have to give up on the home run, I'm greedy, I want to make a lot of money and outperform the market. I just want to buy the different markets, the bond markets, and we'll get into some of the categories here, but I want to buy okay, the whole market. I, I want to take okay, thinking about it and active management out of the equation Therefore, I want to take, you know, basically maybe beating the market, okay, off the table, but I'm not going to do worse than the market if I own the market, okay? Uh, and, and so we, and we lean that way, uh, as Justin had mentioned, because the odds are, okay, if you glom onto a, uh, an active manager that actually does well, well, that doesn't last forever. They change places. And so if you have... You know, if if you have a, a an allocation pie with all active managers, now you have another dilemma. You have to evaluate their performance to see if they're actually doing it. And then, by the way, you may come to come to the conclusion that they're not, and you may have to change horses. So, so there's a whole additional layer that you have to pay attention to. If you have actively managed pieces in your pie, you've got to make sure they're doing their job and they are beating them. Well, good luck for that, because that that, that means you'll be changing manage, managers and pie pieces forever, as far as we're concerned. You want to re, re, react to that, my son? But that that's basically where we're coming from. Yeah. We, as as investment managers, we're quite happy to to take whatever the markets give us for their returns, because the odds of beating it are not high. Okay, and by the way, everybody on earth would be happy with a market return, ultimately, if you started looking at what the returns were over the long run. I'm sorry, go for it, Justin. I mean, and yes, and you also have to manage your... Your managers. Yeah, you have to to manage, you have to watch your manager in the context of your pie, right? So, I mean, the, the, the pie design piece... Turns out to, it's a very specific, right? So the, the computer system is is fed is fed you know the input data on a you know on let's say we'll just use the S and P five hundred, right? So you know the, you know large company U S stocks, and then it, it spits out a percentage for that pie slice, and it's you know let's say it's we'll say it's twenty five percent. Well, that's a very specific number, and it's there for a specific reason. If you if you then go hire an active manager who will invest in large company U.S. stocks, that's that's great. 
unless he or she starts buying international stocks. And then, then all of a sudden your pie is off, right? I mean, and, and that's, you know, so you either have to buy an active manager with a very specific mandate, or you have to be okay with your active manager choosing to, you know, move your pie around without your, without your prior knowledge, or you have to just be, you know, or, or you just don't do it at all, right? So it's, it's, yeah. and there are, there are active managers and, you, you know, you, there's a school of thought that says, hey, if you're, if you're hiring an active manager, you, you don't want to go and, and then put, you know, training wheels on them and say, you know, if, you're, if your U.S. stock fund manager thinks that there are better opportunities to invest overseas and they want to put 10% of their portfolio there, is that, is that good or bad? I mean, it may be bad in the context of you sticking with your pie, but yeah. it may be good in, in the context of your return. And so you have to, you know, you, you then have to make you have to you you have to sacrifice something or you have to actually look into the portfolio on a regular basis and adjust your pie slices uh which yep. which again which is dangerous because you got this the pie had some thought behind it folks yeah and also i mean it's yeah. it's 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 complex and hard to do i mean if you're a professional and and so again full disclosure some of the some of the investment strategies that we use do do this but you know we're talking about you know we're talking about a third party investment team that that does this all the time, all day long, and so for them, you know, you know, every every quarter when the uh, when the actual new portfolio comes out, it's it may not be that much work for that per, you know for for that team to go in and say, all right, well, hey, what's our break? What's our asset allocation pie look now? And do we need to make any adjustments because um, because of our because our managers have moved you know either into larger stocks or smaller stocks or in inter international or emerging markets. That may not be an issue, but for an individual, especially someone doing it themselves, it, it does get to be a lot of work. You know? yep. that, would be a lot, that, that would be a lot of work for, for us if we were managing these portfolios. And, you know, we have you and I doing the investment work here. And yep. Um, yep. so, but anyways, it's, it's just complicated. All right. So my, my closing analogy on the subject before we move to the next question, part, part of which you've already addressed. But here's my closing analogy. Are you ready for this, Justin? I'm ready. All right, folks, um, if, if you populate your pie with passively managed pieces, in other words, buying the whole markets, you are a singles and doubles hitter, and that's what you're comfortable with. If you decide to populate the pieces of your pie with active managers, you're looking for home runs, and with home runs come strikeouts. How's that, Jess? What do you think? <laughs> I like it, yeah. <laughs> that's Think about that for a minute. Okay. But by the way, our philosophy at McNamara Financial is we can hit for a lot higher average doing singles and doubles <laughs> than yeah. the alternative. And you just, folks, you need to think about that. Okay. Now, Justin, the next question, you already kind of touched on it, but I did want to spend a little bit more time on it. So okay. fire away that next question, Justin. Go All ahead. Right. All right. Let me get it up here. Let me get it up. I was, okay. Uh, all right. Oh, man. How, Is it, how, are, are, how are those pies created? I think I already they, answered that they, one. Okay. There you go. Well, you you did, but I yeah. like to okay. add a few. Gonna, are you going to do the <laughs> simplified version? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, folks, uh, as Justin mentioned before, uh, the, the 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 these strategies, these asset allocation strategies, these pies, uh, they're created uh, by computers that do some sophisticated math and. Every time I say the word logarithm, I sound like I'm smart, Justin. But whatever the heck that well, is, well, you, should, you okay. shouldn't, because I, be, I believe it's called algorithm. A algorithm, <laughs> see that? Okay, there you go. Okay, <laughs> and I just made my own point <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but but okay, there are some very sophisticated computer programs developed by some very smart people. Okay, that put these pies together. There, there's like only one one problem with that. Uh, the, the smart people have to put inputs right. into these very, <laughs> very sophisticated programs. And by the way, folks, those inputs are called guesses. Okay. Well, <laughs> and so yeah, uh, but they're, yeah. they're I mean, some some of them are. It depends on what you're. So, in theory, right? When when we're thinking of what our returns going to be, we're looking into the future, right? Uh, but yeah. a lot of these pies are designed, and I think, I think if we look sort of if we look back to you know the last uh, 20 or so years that that I've been in the business as these as this uh, I guess we'll call it an asset allocation industry has uh, has sort of grown and matured here they were always based on past return like the inputs were always past data 
Yeah. And uh, and so th- those are not real. I mean, those are real numbers, but it, maybe they're not what you were thinking. If if you're the owner of a pie, you know, you're you're maybe thinking of what's going to happen, not what did happen. But so you yep. get to choose your inputs. Some of them you can do. You know, if you're if you're just looking at past data, then those are real numbers. If you're if you're making a projection, then we have another problem, right? Right. Okay. And by the way, and, and you can get into trouble just looking at past data. If you and I sat down with this very fancy program yeah. and, and we said we want to create the highest return portfolio possible, what, what can we do? Okay, we would push a button and it would tell us to put all your money in emerging market stocks and buckle up. Yep. Okay, and, and then we would say, well, wait a minute, how many of the clients we work with would actually be, be comfortable with that yeah. or, or, or stick there long enough to go through excruciating uh, downs and unbelievable ups? And the answer is nobody. So, so what would we do or anybody else who has an input in the pie? Well, you know, maybe we've got to cut that down a little bit and make it a little bit less exciting. So let's, how about we add this piece? Or how about we add this, that piece? So people, I want to be crystal clear Almost any allocation that you would find, read about, or see in the press or work with the finance, it's better than what you would do yourself. But you need to understand that there are different assumptions and different things behind these pies. Right. And that's, that's 12 shows as far as we're concerned. But you just need to kind of be aware of that. And so you, you, you might want to try to ask a few questions about where it came from. And, and, and most people listening to us don't have that expertise because I'm not sure if I do, honestly, in terms of all the questions you need to ask you know, these folks. But the bottom line is that, that there, you know, any pie that you, that you see in your 401k plan or at a mutual fund group or at a, at a, at a financial planning practice, they're probably pretty better than what you're going to do yourselves, but there are degrees of differences and assumptions sort of a thing. And I guess, I yeah. guess we'll just leave it at that. But, but my point is any pie that you stumble across is probably better than the pie you'd put together if you're stuck with it. But choosing the right pie, which we're getting to shortly, okay, and what's behind the pie you have, you ought to have a little inkling. You know, we, we, we use some institutional research, okay, and, and the research folks we use – they're a bit more concerned about losing money than making money. So, so the pies that we've chosen, when the world is having an investment party and doing whoopee keen, we certainly make our money, okay, but not as much as maybe other pies, okay, that are, are more aggressively positioned, okay? You know, our comfort level is we don't want to lose very much or try to lose as little as possible in the portfolios within the risk-return parameters sort of a thing. And so that's kind of where we're coming from. You know, right. somebody else's pies may have a, a different bent or a different strategy or perspective. That's all. Right. And, and you know, in full disclosure, our, our pies are uh, forward. So we're using, you know, the, <laughs> the relatively difficult forward-looking assumption yep. in those particular portfolios that, that you're discussing, um, where, whereas other pies may just be purely backward-looking, which, which again, creates, it's, creates a whole set of issues, right? I mean, if you're, if you're talking about the S&P 500, uh, then you have lots of data, right, going back for a long time, and you, you, know, you have a great sample size of years with, with returns and volatility. But as you start to get to more modern asset classes, it gets more difficult, right? I mean, you, you, know, you don't have all that much history with emerging markets returns, uh, or, or international returns. And, and like the, the narrower you make that slice, the less and less data that you're working with. And it just gets harder and harder to design that pie based on that. So and there, there, are, there are trade-offs everywhere. All, you know, you know, even looking backwards at, a, at a, backward, a, a pie design going backwards, is there are some issues that you have. Uh, and obviously, you know, going forward, um, you know, anytime you're, you're doing a projected return and projected volatility, you are, you are attempting to predict the future. And it's, uh, there, are, there are issues with that, too. So there's no perfect pie. Yep. Uh, you just un, you know understand what pie you have and uh, and you know how it was designed and why and if you're comfortable with it then it's probably okay and and better than just throwing some darts and picking some funds. Well, well said. That you know I I've been in this business forty years and to look back forty years and see how far we've come with asset allocation strategies and now they're almost standard operating. It's wonderful. Yeah. Okay, oh, but yeah. f- folks, yeah, having a, a defined asset allocation and sticking with it, we'll get to that in a little while here, uh, is about, you know, for 99% of the folks listening to us right now, you're better off doing that than doing your own thing. 
Okay, uh, p- plain and simple. Okay, so all right, let's see. Ten fifty-six. We got a couple of minutes here. Okay, you can give me the next question, Josh, but we're going to have to go over the break. Obviously, go ahead. <laughs> Fire away. I love. Can you find it? I love this question. These are big. Bra- <laughs> <laughs> what strategy is for you? Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. Let's see. Okay. I don't think well, we're going to be able to cover that in four minutes. Maybe, no, you think? Just an okay. Intro, yeah. <laughs> So uh, I, I would tell folks, and by the way, for a moment, we'll just stick with two basic categories, stocks and bonds, okay? Uh, I would tell anybody that um, the, the, how you mix, the, you know, you got 100% of your money, and if you were just mixing them between stocks and bonds, okay, how, how would you mix those percentages? Okay, and it's pretty simple. Uh, the higher the percentage of stocks, the more excitement, uh, and, and good and bad, and the more return. Uh, the, the lower, uh, the higher percentage of bonds the, goes the other way. The, the less excitement and the lower return. Okay, and, and that, that risk and return thing is really governed pretty much by the big picture of percentage of stocks and percentage of bonds in your portfolio. Right. You okay with that, my son? I'm okay. You know, just obviously disclaimer, uh, that's based on, that's, that's sort of, that's based on historical data and, and an assumption that has held up for a long time, right? There's yeah. no, it, it, it's not necessary that uh, stocks will have a higher return and uh, more volatility. In theory, that could change, but probably not. We're, we're very comfortable saying that, and we tell it to all our clients. But, yeah, hey, you know, know, what we, get, we never know when Deanna might be listening, Dad. Yeah, well, listen, hey. Our, uh, compliance, our compliance department. <laughs> I, I don't know if the sun's coming up tomorrow, Justin, but I'm making plans. <laughs> that's right. There you go. That's right. Yeah, you got to make some plans, okay? Uh, and, and so, yep, okay, if you have 100% stocks these days, you probably will have the highest return, okay, that, you know, uh, uh, in the next 15 or 20 or 25 years. Okay, if you have 100% bonds, you'll feel safe and you probably won't have much of a return. And, and that's just kind of how it is. So, so that's the big mixture. Okay, and, and we touched upon this before, okay, uh, that's just stocks and bonds. Okay, uh, in our, you know, you can add real estate, you can add commodities, uh, there are a bunch of other flavors that you could put in there. But, you know, for now, please don't get confused that the bulk of your portfolio should be in a variety of kinds of stocks, by the way, small ones, medium, large ones, or geographically diversified stocks all over the world, you know, developing countries, developed countries. And the same thing for bonds. Uh, you know, you should have some uh, international bonds. I mean, you, you need to have subcategories of those to get even more diversification and safety. But we're not saying you should exclude other assets. So, what, what, you know, what are the three? What do we have in our, our small pieces in art right now? Oh, oh play out lead. again. Son of a gun. All right, you do it, Justin. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 